Welcome to the Self-Care Goddess Podcast, brought to you by me, Rita Savoya, founder of Savoya Self-Care Holistic Wellness. I'm a certified nutritionist and a holistic wellness coach for midlife women who want to rediscover their happier, sexier selves naturally without pills or side effects so that they can thrive as they age. I'm also the creator of the Savoya Self-Care Method, empowering women to nurture heart, mind, and body for transformative results. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to help millions of midlife women become their own health heroes. As a woman entrepreneur and a caregiver to aging parents, I fully understand the many responsibilities and generally stressful times women are living through these days, often suffering in silence, misunderstood, and putting themselves last. That's why each week I will be here for you, guiding you on your personal wellness journey, sharing expert advice from thought leaders on natural, practical, and simple solutions to help you thrive during the midlife transition. Get ready to listen to inspiring conversations about all things wellness, nutrition, mindset, mental health, fasting, hormones, menstrual cycle awareness and sinking, ancient healing strategies like meditation, mindfulness and breath work and spirituality. Every month I will also be featuring a small to medium sized business to help spread the word on the amazing work they're doing so we can support them. And now without further ado, let's get ready to rumble. Happy listening. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Care Goddess podcast. And today it's a solo cast. So I am here by myself talking to you about insulin resistance, and which is a growing, growing pandemic, in my opinion. And it goes hand in hand with obesity because it also causes diabetes. So before we get into the specifics of insulin resistance, and basically it's going to be your ultimate guide to insulin resistance, let's settle into our space as we usually do. And let's take some deep cleansing breaths. So one breath through the nose and release with a sigh, just letting go, extending the exhales, becoming a little bit more relaxed with each and every exhale. And let's take a couple of these and just sort of surrender to whatever surface is beneath you. If you're sitting, if you're lying down, if you're in the car, you can still relax. If you're not driving, I invite you to lower your gaze or perhaps even close your eyes if you feel comfortable. And start breathing into the area of the heart. And as you continue this heart-focused breathing, I invite you to make a sincere attempt to think of something that you're grateful for today. It could be someone could be something, it could be a book you just read, maybe another podcast you listened to, just anything. It could also be your pet, just something that you are super grateful for today. As we know, gratitude is a very, very um, high vibrating emotion. So we're bringing in that positivity and that high vibing energy into our body and into our mind our heart let's take a nice deep breath allow your belly to expand with the inhale 
Breathing in that gratitude and letting go. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for practicing that quick coherence technique from the Heart Math Institute with me. All right. So some scary statistics before I go into some of the specifics about insulin resistance is that about 11% of the U.S. population have been diagnosed with diabetes. That's 37.3 million um, people and or have diabetes i'm sorry and about 28 million almost 29 have been diagnosed with diabetes and they estimate that an 8.5 million people are have diabetes but undiagnosed so that's huge huge numbers and then there's also this thing called pre-diabetes and that's actually what i had before i got into this whole holistic being um I was actually at, I was a pre-diabetic, so I was maybe around 6.3, I think it's 6.6, the range. So I was pretty, and that, that was my wake-up call for me. I did not want to be on any drugs, and I knew that it could be controlled with lifestyle and food. So that's pretty scary as well, because then you have another 96 million people aged 18 years and older that are pre-diabetic, and that's almost 40% of the U.S. population. And and then 26%, 27% of people age 65 and older, I'm sorry, 26.4 million people age 65 and older, that's about 50% of the population have pre-diabetes. So that is scary stuff. And this is why I wanted to bring to your attention, what can we do about it? So in this podcast today, we're going to be talking about insulin resistance, the causes of insulin resistance, lifestyle changes to, to help it reverse it, as well as some supplements that you can also take to support healthy blood sugar levels. So insulin resistance is when cells in your muscles, fat and liver don't respond to insulin, which is the hormone that allows sugar to enter your cells, right? So that we can get the energy that we need. So that means sugar cannot effectively enter the cells to be burned for energy. So because of this, blood sugar starts to creep higher and higher, especially after eating carbohydrates or sweets, so processed carbohydrates. And over time, your blood sugar level goes up. Insulin resistance syndrome includes a group of problems like obesity, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and type 2 diabetes. So type 1 is you are born with the genetic uh, predisposition to that insulin receptor not responding to insulin. Okay, that's type 1. You're born with that genetic mutation. But type 2 is purely, purely lifestyle and nutrition. Okay, so according to the American Diabetes Association, it could affect as many as one in three Americans. So this is why I felt that we definitely need something um, that talks specifically around insulin resistance. So what are the signs, right? Most people think that if they don't have diabetes, they don't have to worry about their blood sugar. That's actually not true. Insulin resistance is usually present in pre-diabetes, as I mentioned before, and can eventually lead to type 2 diabetes. So if I did not control my pre-diabetic level, I would have easily had type 2 diabetes, but it can exist long before there is a diabetic diagnosis, right? So the trickiest part 
is that usually there are no obvious symptoms, but there are definitely some clues that are often associated with insulin resistance, like abdominal weight gain around the waist. I always had a bit of a, you know, muffin top or pot belly, whatever you want to call it. Sugar and carb cravings, always. I always wanted my Nutella after my meals. Crashing after eating sweets, 100%. That used to happen to me as well. So it's important to know that a person does not have to be overweight because I was not overweight to have insulin resistance. The only way to know for sure is to look for some subtle uh, changes in blood work. And here is the best news because I've given you some real bad news so far is that insulin resistance is reversible because I am definitely an example of that. And so I do do really, if you can pass this on to some of your family members or friends that can really benefit from this information, I think please do share this podcast because it is going to be shedding some amazing light on this topic. All right. So what are the three overlooked root causes, okay, of insulin resistance? So before a person ever meets the medical criteria for a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes, invisible changes are going on in the body, including insulin resistance. But here's the thing. Insulin resistance doesn't just happen out of the blue. It's not just genetics or fate, right? The three often overlooked root causes of insulin resistance Okay. And when you actually discover these things, you have the power to change them. That's what, that's the beauty about, um, functional medicine, right? That's the beauty about holistic practice, right? Is that it can be reversed. If you catch it early enough, it can definitely be reversed because you allow your body to self heal. Okay. You remove this interference and you allow the body to self heal. So number one, visceral fat. So this is the fat that builds up around the internal organs, right? Instead of just under the skin. And it's called visceral fat. The fat cells and visceral fat release hormones and inflammatory chemicals that actually drive insulin resistance. So the biggest outward clue that visceral fat exists is an increase in waist size. All right. Number two, mitochondrial dysfunction. So mitochondria are the powerhouses of our cells, right? They are the place where sugars and other micronutrients are transformed into energy. This is where it happened. It's this factory, powerhouse factory. So mitochondrial dysfunction means that cells cannot burn sugar as well. So mitochondria are highly susceptible to damage from free radicals and toxins. So we can protect them by loading up on antioxidants and supporting detoxifications as well as mitigating or avoiding toxic foods or toxic chemicals in our everyday products. Number three, inflammation. Here is that I word again, right? Obesity is associated with a state of low-grade inflammation, which can have even an effect in parts of the brain, right, that produce leptin. Now, leptin is the hormone that makes you feel full. See the connection there? So if inflammation leads to leptin resistance, right, that signal is either dampened or it stops working, then a person might consume more sugar than the body can handle without feeling full. And then that whole cascade of situations happen, right? Which causes that not only your, your obesity, but also leads to that type three, um, sorry, type two, type three. It's a little, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, type two diabetes. All right. So what are some lifestyle changes we can adopt to reverse 
insulin resistance. So if insulin resistance means that the cells in the body have become less responsive to insulin, right, which leads to elevated blood sugar levels, if left unchecked, insulin resistance could lead to type 2 diabetes. And we said that, okay, I'm just re reinstating that, right? That's why it's critical to take insulin resistance seriously. Here are some lifestyle changes that can help to reverse insulin resistance, all right? Um, weight loss. Being overweight or obese is associated with multiple changes in the body, including inflammation and leptin resistance. That contributes to or can worsen insulin resistance. So studies show that weight loss is one of the best ways to reverse insulin resistance. Most people know that being overweight and not exercising can increase the risk of insulin resistance and diabetes. The better we understand the body, the better we are able to support it in returning back to health. Chromium is actually a good supplement for weight loss. So chromium, and I'll talk a little bit about supplements in just a bit, but chromium is a trace mineral that is essential to health. Chromium supports the breakdown of fats and carbohydrates and the action of insulin as well. It's most popular, popular for its role in supporting blood sugar. The best source of chromium is brewer's yeast, but here are some other good sources, such as eggs, chicken, beef, broccoli, wheat germ. So most adults consume the recommended amount of chromium from food. So it's about 20 to 35 MCGs. But people with insulin resistance or blood sugar issues may have, may require a higher need. Now, with any supplementation, with any protocol that you're going to go on, I highly recommend that you work with a practitioner, right, to actually get your levels tested and to understand a little bit more what, how much you need for your body, okay? So when used as a supplement, chromium is commonly taken in amounts of 200 mcgs three times a day. So while, like I said, um, chromium supplements might be helpful for supporting blood sugar levels or weight loss, chromium can actually interact with some medication. So it's always best to work with a healthcare professional, a practitioner of some sort, okay, in order to really dive deep in terms of if there's any contraindications, right? And again, I'm always about food first before we go into supplementation, okay? So, Number two is exercise. Surprise, surprise. Exercise not only burns energy in the amount to help regulate blood sugar levels, but also builds muscle. Muscle cells more effectively burn sugar than fat cells, even at rest. Okay. So exercise is essential to reversing insulin resistance. A new study found that a one hour walk in nature decreased activity in a part of the brain called the amygdala, which translates to a better ability to deal with stress. From, for some more background on this, living in a city or urban area is associated with more anxiety and depression, okay? Studies also show that a stress-related area of the brain called the amygdala becomes more active during a stressful situation in urban residents than in a rural, rural residents, okay? So why is this important? Because the latest study in the first um, is the first to compare. This latest study is the first to compare what happens to brain activity during a one-hour walk on a busy city street and during one-hour walk in the forest. Here's how the study went. Okay, so brain activation was measured in 63 healthy adults when exposed to a stressful task. Participants went 
on a one-hour walk, either on a busy street or in nature. The same brain activation test was done again after the walk, and the results showed a decreased activation of the amygdala, right? This is the, the fear center of our brain, right? It, want, it, it, it detects fear, uh, because it wants to keep us alive. It's it's survival mechanism in participants who walked in nature, right? But no change in those who walked in the city when exposed to the stressor. So walking in nature provides even more benefits than walking in the city. You may not be able to make it for you know to the forest every day, but walking in a park or on a trail will do the trick as well. Okay, so just remember that we may be more powerfully influenced by our environment than we realize, and nature is one of those best remedies for stress relief. Now, why is this important? Why is it tied to insulin resistance? Is because stress can actually exasperate exasperate <laughs> that um, that inflammation, which can exasperate the insulin resistance issue. Right. So, exercising of any sort, but I highly recommend walks in nature on a daily basis. And if you really want to amp up and biohack this little hack of yours, do it for sunrise as well as sunset so catch those rays when the sun is rising as well as setting to help set with your circadian rhythm so it, it also aids with sleep which is my number three nice segue did you like that so sleep sleep deprivation is a risk factor for increased blood sugar levels and even one night of a lack of sleep can worsen insulin resistance. Okay. And I, and I feel it as well. When I don't sleep well, I want to eat more. I want to consume more calories. And it's usually carbohydrates, usually processed carbohydrates, right? That will obviously worsen that insulin resistance. Clean living. Remember what I said about toxins. So minimizing your exposure to toxins supports cellular health. Some pesticides increase the risk of type 2 diabetes and many synthetic chemicals are known to be endocrine disruptors that may contribute to insulin resistance. Okay. So eat for blood sugar balance. Okay. So what foods can you eat to help balance your blood sugar? So these foods can actually help to slow the digestion and absorption of these sugars, right? Of sugars from food, from your food by combining carbohydrates with fats, fiber, and protein. Now, a little quick side note on, on food combining. Again, that's why it's so important to work with someone is because this may not work for you. Okay. You may need to actually eat your meals separately because of your slow digestive system. So it's really important to work with someone and understand if food combining is something that you can do your body does tolerate it and if it does then it's definitely highly recommended to help uh, balance blood sugar cinnamon is one power food for blood sugar balance and i always whenever i love mangoes whenever i eat mangoes i sprinkle some cinnamon because mangoes are really high in natural sugar so they spike my blood sugar for sure so if you sprinkle some cinnamon on your really sweet fruit like pineapple and mango it really does help with that slowing down of the blood sugar so slowing down of the breaking of the blood oh sorry of the sugar in the blood all right so Something to know about um, cinnamon is that there are actually two types. The cheaper variety at most grocery stores, so check the label here, is called cassia. The higher quality, is, which is the true cinnamon, is called Ceylon. So that's Ceylon, which is C-E-Y-L-O-N. 
So the difference between the types is the amount of a compound they contain called coumarin. So cassia has more coumarin, which can cause problems if eaten in large quantities. So you might want to find the Ceylon um, cinnamon if planning to eat it in large amounts. But regardless of the type, all cinnamon contains a compound called cinnamaldehyde. So cinnamaldehyde is what gives cinnamon its distinct aroma. Mm, I love it in my coffee too. And flavor as well as its benefits like antioxidant support, supporting the action of insulin, blood sugar support, fighting infections, and so on. So while you may need to eat cinnamon consistently to see these health benefits, you can feel good knowing that a slice of mango you can enjoy over the holidays, right? has a little dose of really, if you sprinkle it with some cinnamon, can have a little dose of health in it, right? To kind of slow down the actual um, blood sugar reaction. All right, so I will actually share now five supplements that can be used to help with blood sugar support. Supplements as I mentioned, right, I'm always all about food first, but sometimes we may need to supplement, right, based on your um, particular situation. So, um, genema, genema is a gemnema, yeah, gemnema is a herb that comes from the Ayurvedic tradition. And if you taste it directly, it will numb your taste buds so that you cannot taste any sweet. The leaf extract is used to support blood sugar. Berberine, I actually use berberine um, right after my meals, is a plant compound that's responsible for the yellow color of herbs like golden seal and um, Oregon grape. And it supports blood sugar, but also may also interact with medications or disrupt some digestion. So very, very interesting to keep an eye on that. Chromium, as we talked about before, is a trace mineral that, that's needed for insulin to function properly. It can be supplemented along with meals to support insulin sensitivity. So we want to be insulin sensitive, right? Alpha lipoic acid, which is ALA, and is not an official vitamin, but is similar to B vitamins, and it is a powerful antioxidant and also supports blood sugar metabolism. Magnesium, my favorite mineral, low blood sugar levels of magnesium have been found in people with type 2 diabetes. Many people do not consume the recommended amount of magnesium because, hello, it does not exist in our soils anymore, making it an important supplement to consider. It's always best to talk with a health professional before adding supplements into your routine, as I mentioned earlier, especially if you're already taking medications, we want to try to avoid any contraindications, okay? All right, so an interesting research. So here's the thing about type 3 diabetes. Now, type 3 diabetes Alzheimer's has been actually labeled type 3 diabetes, okay? So there's tons of research out there saying, showing that type like uh, type 2 diabetes can lead to Alzheimer's, right? Because of that cognitive decline that can be caused by having insulin resistance. So they're actually saying that Alzheimer's can be actually labeled type 3 diabetes. Scary, scary stuff, right? So... How can we improve cognition? Well, 
There was an interesting study that showed that multivitamins can actually improve cognition. Most people think there's nothing that they can be done about memory and cognitive decline. You know, it's just like it comes with age or they think that it's really, really hard to reverse, right? But a new study, okay, and I'll leave the actual studies in the show notes. This is by Cosmos Mind. Prove that to be wrong. This recently published study showed that older adults who took a multivitamin for three years showed improved cognitive function. There was about 22, uh, 2,262 adults with an average age of 73 participated in the study. Participants, participants were randomized to take a multivitamin cocoa extract, or a placebo daily. Tests of cognitive function were run at baseline, and after three years, results showed no effect of cocoa extract on cognitive function, but taking a multivitamin improved global cognition and overall measurement of brain function. It also, it also improved memory, memory of everyday events, and executive function, which is related to self-regulation and behavior. So these results are incredible for a few reasons. This was a well-designed study that included a large number of participants tracked over time. Cognitive function typically declines with age, but it was seen to improve after consistently taking a multivitamin. The multivitamin used in the study was um, a multivitamin. Imagine that uh, what might be possible if we actually take a professional grade supplement because the actual multivitamin was Centrium Silver, which I'm not a big fan of. So imagine if we actually did with a professional grade supplement, right? So again, I'm not here to say that a pill can fix anything, but I hope this new study inspires you to realize that improving your health, even at any age, does not necessarily have to be hard, right? So let me share with you another interesting news report that says being a night owl may actually worsen your insulin resistance. So would you consider yourself a night owl or an early bird? I used to be a night owl. I used to go to bed like at one o'clock. Now I'm trying to push it for to 11 and sometimes 12 but i really when i wake when i go to bed at 10 10 30 i feel like a million bucks the next day and i'm up really really early but it turns out that this may be affecting your metabolism so a new study shows that people with metabolic syndrome who tend to stay up late and sleep late have a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes and when i was pre-diabetic i was sleeping late okay so this study involved 51 participants with metabolic syndrome who were monitored for a week for their activity patterns over the day. They all ate the same diet, controlled for nutrition and calories. So results showed that early birds burned more fat for energy, so both while exercising and at rest, and had better insulin sensitivity. Night owls bodies, they actually favored carbohydrates as a fuel source and were more insulin resistant. So this study involved people who have already, who already had metabolic syndrome. So we don't know if it also applies to healthy people. However, knowing this link between staying up late and insulin resistance is one thing, but we can, but what we can, you know, what can we do about it? Basically, do you believe that it's possible for night owls to become early birds? It was for me. I'm not an early, early bird, but I'm an earlier bird, right? I don't associate myself with a night owl anymore, right? So remember what I talked about in terms of toxins, right? So toxins also exasperate that insulin resistance, right? And make you less insulin sensitive. So a new study finds that, you know me, I'm a little bit of a nerd geek about my studies, 
finds the synthetic chemicals in most foods, okay, um, that they are in most foods, which is super sad, right? That's why I urge you to eat organic and to eat locally. So 393 food sam samples from the UK were tested for eight different um, chemicals in, in used in flame retardants, furnishings and other products okay and these are called organophosphates okay they so they they tested for these foods so there were eight different types of these chemicals in 393 food samples the chemicals the tphp um, which is triphenyl phosphate and two ethnohexyl diphenyl phosphate okay ehdpp were found in all food samples except eggs it was estimated that beverages were the main contributor and in children's diet about 27% and cereal products and fruits were the main contributors in adults. So exposure amounts were estimated to fall below levels considered dangerous to adults by frighteningly, but frighteningly close for some categories in toddlers and children. Isn't this so scary what we're feeding our kids? So this study reports that the level of chemicals found in the UK foods is similar to levels found in other countries. But what can we do? As a as a, a trick, it's tricky, right? As a consumer, but we can do our best to purchase organic and unprocessed foods and grow our own whenever possible. The less exposure to food that comes from factories, the better. So it's also a great reminder of how important it is to support the body's detoxification, natural detoxification system every day. Drink plenty of water, exercise and sweat, load up on fiber and antioxidants. Okay, remember, we don't have to control. We don't have control over everything, but we always have control over something, right? So we are all aware that synthetic chemicals are found in most foods that create that this toxicity. So please do what you have control over please do take action, right? As an informed consumer. Okay, so let's talk, let's move to processed sugar, okay? Because part of blood sugar regulation is to avoid processed sugar, right? So I think it is absolutely possible to go 100% to avoid sugar in all of your diet. Like processed sugar, 100%. I do it 80% of the time, okay? Um, but we know, because we know that too much sugar okay, of any kind is bad for our health, right, especially the processed stuff. But there are natural sweeteners that are less problematic and than just plain cane sugar, right? So let's break it down. And I'm going to break down five natural sweeteners that you may have seen in, in the ingredients list, okay? So stevia. Stevia is a zero-calorie sweetener extracted from the leaves of the stevia plant it's green in its raw form but white after being processed even though stevia is um hundreds of times hundreds of times sweeter than sugar it can leave a bitter aftertaste and some people don't like which i actually don't like but i also don't like the fact that stevia is white and the actual the like leaf is green so what's going on there is it being you know is it is it really being processed? Why is it why is it white? So erythritol is a also a zero calorie sweetener. It's a sugar alcohol that naturally occurs in some fruits, even though it is absorbed um, from the intestines. It's then eliminated in the urine without being converted into calories. The most common issue with erythritol um, is gas or diarrhea in high amounts. 
xylitol is similar to erythritol is being in a, in being a very low calorie sugar alcohol but its digestive side effects can be even worse so use it sparingly um xylitol has specifically demonstrated benefits for dental health monk fruit extract i love this one okay it comes from a fruit that is native to southeast asia it has zero calories and may contain beneficial compounds like antioxidants it's more expensive uh, of an ingredient for sure and it's not used as much obviously because it's too expensive coconut sugar is another one of my favorite and this has zero actually it's not zero calories it has the same calories as regular table sugar but is higher in nutrients and has a slightly lower glycemic index right so it doesn't spike your sugar as quickly even though it's whole food it's close enough to sugar to be considered almost the same this is obviously not an exhaustive list and there is um, there's also agave nectar. Again, it's highly processed. That's why I kind of stay away from it. But one of my favorites is dark maple syrup, brown rice syrup, molasses, and more. Okay, so one of my favorite is definitely brown maple syrup. It's more the least processed. So the bottom line is that the best approach is to eat foods closest to their whole form. Satisfy that sweet craving with a piece of juicy fruit, right? Not the actual gum, but the actual fresh fruit. On the occasion when you want to add a sweetener, just choose a natural sweetener and in moderation. So this wraps up my podcast on insulin resistance. I hope you've learned a thing or two. More importantly, I hope you've been, I've inspired you to take some action if you are noticing some of those symptoms, right? Because lifelong health begins with prevention and that begins today. You can begin right now. If you have any concerns about blood sugar, any questions about insulin resistance, or want some professional personalized plan, I am here for you and would love to connect on a free discovery call to see if we are a fit. So until next time, keep listening to these amazing podcasts and empowering yourself to take decisions about your health and don't leave your health um, to someone else because you are empowered to take action today. Hope this helps. Ciao for now. Take care. Bye. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking part of your day and sharing it with me by listening to this amazing podcast episode. I would also like to thank our sponsors, St. Lucian CMOS. Check them out and get some awesome CMOS at www.stlucianCMOS.co. If you enjoyed this podcast and it was helpful, please share it with your loved ones or a friend and check out SavoyaSelfCare.com for more amazing wellness tips. Please also leave us a rating now on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to info at SavoyaSelfCare.com. We will reply with a gift as a grateful thank you. If you want to upgrade your healthy living and take it to the next level, be sure to join us next week. And remember, self-care is not selfish, it's self-love. Ciao for now.